Good afternoon and welcome to the Power From Port podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and this afternoon I'll be reviewing Port Adelaide's clash against the GWS Giants in round 20 of season 2021. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so Port Adelaide 15-10-100 defeated GWS 11-7-73. The leading goal kickers on the night were Charlie Dixon with four goals two, Peter Adams with three goals one, Mitch Georgiades with two straight, and we had six single goal kickers. The major ball winners were Carl Amon with 31 disposals, 11 of those contested, 18 kicks, 13 handballs, and a huge 683 metres gained. Ollie Wines, 28 disposals, 14 of those contested, 14 kicks, 14 handballs, 385 metres gained. And Riley Bonner, 25 disposals, 5 contested, 18 kicks, 7 handballs, and 444 metres gained. So my initial thoughts post-game, I was pretty proud of the group that we uh, we responded late. Um, the first quarter was quite uh, tight to begin with. I think there was only a couple of goals in it up until uh, late in that first quarter. It was a bit of a, bit of a battle in the middle quarters, um, but then when we needed to, we um, put the foot down and really um, put GWS to the sword in the last quarter like a a team looking to solidify that top four spot would. Um, I mentioned in my preview that I think us going for fourth spot would spur us on more than GWS, obviously playing for that eighth spot, and uh, that showed with the class. Um, I also uh, noted that I I thought we interchanged uh, a couple of game styles throughout the game. Um, uh, We... uh, I mentioned in one of my previous episodes that uh, for the most of the year we've been uh, playing quite a defensive half game, um, and I had the thought that that might be because we are maybe trying to add another string to our bow, and um, because we are such a good uh, team in the sense of a forward half game, um, that we were for most of the early parts of the season as a good team, knowing that we could get the job done, but practicing a different game plan so that we can, uh, so that we could go between the two when we needed. And I thought there was stages where we did kind of go back to that defensive half game. Um, but then uh, particularly in the first and last quarters, we uh, utilized the forward half pressure, uh, keep it inside 50 type of game. And I thought, again, we looked more imposing playing that forward half game uh, in those middle quarters, sure, GWS were going to come at us. That was always going to happen. Um, but I thought we went into our shells a little bit and uh, played that defensive half game a bit slower, a bit more safe, a little less dare, and ultimately a little less dynamic. And it gave um, room for GWS to really attack and put us under a bit of pressure. Uh, but the fact that we... The fact that we have confidence in game to change those styles and we can adapt and and led by Tom Jonas and the leadership group, uh, obviously communicate that through the group. Uh, It's good to know that we can lean on a couple of different things because it's been noted around the AFL and in the AFL media that uh, particularly the three top, uh, top three teams, they all play slightly different game styles. So if we can um, adapt whoever we play against, that's, again, a really big plus, especially with us uh, coming closer to a stronger team. Uh, the last thought I had uh, initially post-game was uh, with six out of six uh, at our home away from home, I guess it's called, uh, of late, uh, having to be in Melbourne and playing our games at Marvel Stadium. Uh, and that rounds out seven total away wins for the season. Uh, fans of uh, the Mungrel Punt, um, publication or internet publication would would know the road warrior standings um where we're currently sitting at the top uh which right basically for those that don't know uh, uh, don't know the mongrel punt i'd go suggest checking it out um they do quite good reviews uh, especially of port um quite fans of port but they do something called the road warrior ladder where they rate teams and give teams points uh based on their away wins um and neutral venue wins and things like that and we're top so Seven away wins were a good away team, and that bodes well for a the last round when we play Western Bulldogs at Marvel because we have a, all of a sudden a great record at Marvel. And there was quite a number of years there I remember 
that uh, we had a terrible record at Marvel and its other monikers over over time, but we had a pretty average record there. We couldn't win. Um, it would seem that, that particularly the Melbourne teams would um, just get us uh, playing fast football and, and we struggled to adapt for whatever reason. And even more confusingly enough in the past um, that we played some fast styles, but then when we, once we got to um, Marvel or Eddie Had or, or Telstrom, as it was known in the past, we kind of played a very flat-footed. Um, so to be undefeated at Marvel, that bodes well, like I said, against the Western Bulldogs in the last round, which will be a pretty vital game if we're to finish in the top four because Sydney, who are breathing down our neck, have a pretty good run in the last three games. So um, we're probably uh, we're probably going to have to win that last game. But even if we don't and we go into the finals, uh, we managed to hold on to the fourth spot. Again, we'll be playing away in that first week. Uh, I sense that the guys would still have a lot of confidence that they can win away. Um, and if we do uh, have to play away in that first final and win it still means that we'll get the home final and a home preliminary hopefully uh so that it's good signs we have dropped some at home so it could work the other way around where if we do get a home final the away team would feel a little bit confident but i mean mitigating factors throughout the year and the fact that we're um six out of six at marvel particularly but seven total away um it fills me with a bit of confidence going into the the last part of the season so um, to break down our lines, um, our defence, I thought, were better than uh, last week, albeit conceding more goals. Uh, they looked a bit tighter at times and looked a bit more impactful. Uh, they did get kind of caught out on the transition, but I felt that that was more due to a lack of defensive pressure up the ground. Um, uh, I thought that Tom Jonas lifted his game from uh, last couple of weeks. He was a lot more accountable Still using the ball well, um, coming out of the back half. Uh, McKenzie uh, and DBJ uh, lifted. Uh, I thought DBJ in particular, his attack on the ball, especially early, was evident uh, where I've mentioned previously that he seems to be going at some contests half-hearted. I felt that he had a bit of a harder edge to him uh, in this game. Uh, Being such a vital game, it's probably uh, playing in the minds there a little bit. And professional sport and sport, generally but professional sport in particular it's such a mental game being one dividing point between teams so um for those three to stand up have a bit of more of an impact around the ground and surging forward um uh, our play of the day is uh shown in the on the port adelaide app has the goal where we transitioned from the back 50 straight up uh, to the forward 50, Zach Butters ended up getting the goal. But it started from a DBJ kick outside 50, um, defensive 50, which hit Travis Boak on the wing. And, you know, it's so that, that, that bit of dare that you look for to go along with him attacking contests hard. Um, I mentioned that uh, a couple of times now that if you were to give me 10, I would take that. Um, GWS being a better quality side, they, they kicked 11. So again, it shows that we kind of got caught out in time, uh, yeah, at stages of the game. Uh, GWS probably being a better quality side than the couple that we've played in the last couple of rounds in Collingwood and St Kilda, and with a lot to play for. Um, but I just prefer us just to tighten that up a little bit more and, and yeah, bring that down by at least a couple of goals. But us being a, a fourteen to 15 goal team uh, like we were on Saturday. Um, yeah, the 11 goals was, wasn't going to hurt us. And um, yeah, I'll take it still. Like I said, I'd like us to tighten up going forward. Uh, we allowed GWS 11 marks inside 50, which um, is probably, yeah, a lot more than you'd want when I think we ended up with 10 in comparison. So um my best back for the game, I had Trent McKenzie. Uh, I mentioned him in last week's game. He probably had a, um, a quieter game in, uh, to his standards since coming back into the team. Um, but I thought he lifted um, having the 15 disposals, six of which were contested, 13 kicks and two handballs. 
using it at 87%, which is amazing, uh, especially coming out of defensive 50 when we are under pressure. Um, he does take a lot of kickouts, but um, if you're using it well like that, I mean, the cannon, you want it um, in his hands. Um, he had eight marks as well, uh, six intercept possessions and a huge 380 metres gained. So a nice all-round game from Trent McKenzie. And he just seems to be um, like he plays undersized against his opponents and he's just very smart. You can tell he's got good footy smarts. Now being a grown man, as Ken mentioned actually last year, um, he just knows how to position himself um, to take those marks and impact uh, when the ball's coming in with a bit of pressure. Um, So... Great work from him lifting, and um, it just really makes it interesting uh, because, you know, he came in for Cleary uh, when Cleary got injured, and he hasn't really put a foot wrong. I'm not really sure what our best defensive six looks like, to be honest. I would like an informed Cleary in there, but when Trent McKenzie is playing this well, Tom Jones uh, being the captain and playing pretty well, you're not... Probably not going to drop him. Uh, and Aaliyah, Aaliyah, uh, playing his role, not playing great, but playing his role, it's just an interesting... And again, you don't want to be too tall. Uh, it, it is a marker that has been put on us, and more so in the front half. Um, but I'm just interested to see how they'll configure this team going forward. Hopefully we get some second-tier football back and Cleary can build because, I mean, he was, as most people have said, best on ground in the showdown and he probably should have got the showdown medal for his contest up against Taylor Walker, who was up there in the Coleman and he's still up there in the Coleman. Um, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Cleary, but I'm also a huge fan of Trent McKenzie, who's doing quite well. I gave him a mulligan and he took it and bounced back well. Uh, My honourable mention goes to Ryan Burton, he had the 22 disposals. You probably could have argued that he was the uh, better defender on the night. Um, in my preview, I had him uh, pointed to match up with Toby Green. And although I thought Ryan Burton held him well, uh, especially in the first quarter and first half, I thought that Toby Green ended up getting on top of him and uh, ending up with the six shots on goal, probably let Burton down a little bit. Um I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game. I've just watched the highlights um, and the bits and pieces around there. But I'm not sure if Ryan Burton played on green for the whole match. But I know uh, some contests that I saw, uh, like I said, Burton started well but uh, ended up conceding the six scoring shots. But, I mean, to go along with that, uh, I think Burton hurt him, uh, hurt him and hurt GWS on the other way around um, with us heading forward. He had the 22 disposals, 18 of those kicks, um, nine marks, five tackles, five inside 50s and three rebound 50s for a huge 528 metres gained. So taking out the fact that Green had six shots on goal, those are some good stats. And I mentioned last week that he's got that attacking flair back in his game and obviously got a lot of confidence in his body. And now we're seeing a body of work. Uh, from the likes of Burton, which, again, he has that X factor. When he's on, he just glides along the ground. And, I mean, imposing himself to nine marks um, and five tackles, it means that he's really putting in the effort. And uh, it's fantastic. Uh, He's one of our best players when he's up and going, and that's starting to show at the right time of the year. Moving into the midfield, um, they were challenged, as I expected in my preview. Um, GWS's best line, I think, is their midfield, as I mentioned. Um, again, I pointed out Kelly and Hopper from the Giants, and they finished with 31 and 29 disposals, respectively. Um, they challenged us, particularly in the second and third quarters, like we all, I think, realise. Um, so, I think think it was just imperative that we hung in there. We kept trying to compete as well as we could have for the whole match and ended up wearing them down because I feel that we had more depth, even though uh, GWS do have a decent unit. I feel that our rotations through there 
uh, could get on top, just as long as we kept at it and kept putting them under pressure. Some key statistics, uh, centre clearances, we won 13 to 11, uh, but stoppage clearances, they got it on top by one, um, beating us 17 to 16, so leaving the total uh, ledger 29 to 28 in our favour. So we're up on clearances. The next key statistic, which seems to go along with that, is contested possessions, which we won 149 to 140. So as it's been for the whole year, I believe it is. Center clear, uh, no, clearance in general and contested possessions. If we get on top in those, then uh, we win the game. Um, and again, we put a tick there. We won the hitouts 36 to 24, like I predicted in my preview. And I mean, it's not a outlandish prediction, but Mumford, he did try and bully us around. It's really his go only go-to. And against lesser sides with more inexperienced Ruckman, it tends to work and it, he is imposing on the contest. But Scott Lyser isn't, no, he's no slouch. He's not skinny. He is a big brute of a man. And he is playing a bit on the edge with a bit of aggression this season. So um, particularly against Lysette, I felt that Lysette absorbed that bullying nature of Mumford. Um, didn't get drawn into a lot of the dirty tactics that he tried to employ. But as well as that, Lysette uh, made him work around the ground, um, breaking away from a few contests and making him run. So... I um I really feel that uh, again having Laddams to help out um, helped to wear down Mumford, and it meant that Lysette could go harder when he was back in the rotation. So it's a potent combo, and we got on top in the hitouts. Um, another thing uh, that I noticed uh, we uh, playing that front half game, we won the inside fifty sixty five to forty six, and. Uh, Again, probably a bit wasteful, particularly in the first quarter. Uh, the commentary made it known we were dominant in that first quarter, really racking up that forward territory and those inside 50s, but we didn't quite take advantage of it. And I don't think we helped our forwards out as best as we could. But as well as that, I think GWS were flooding back a little bit in that first quarter. They tried to make it a defensive game to, to begin with. Uh, as I noted in my preview, they have been a bit more defensive in the last month or so of football. Um, and there was a, a low amount of goals kicked first. But, uh, I mean, we had seven shots on goal. We probably should have converted more than three goals. Um, and, yeah, I felt that our midfield probably could have helped, uh, out, helped our forwards out a bit more. But all in all, like I said, the class showed as the game wore on. Um, Kelly and Hopper were, in the end, their only main contributors. Whitfield was another one. He came through there. Uh, but when you have the likes of Ward and Taranto in there as well, you probably would have expected more from them too, uh, from a GWS point of view. Uh, but they fell out of the game. I don't think either of them made 20 possessions. Um, I'd have to look again, but I don't think Taranto even made 15 possessions for the game, which is really poor on his end because he's had a good year. Um, my best mid for the game, I don't know how you can go past Carl Amon. Uh, he was, yeah, clearly best on ground. He's been um, spoken about in high regard since yesterday's game, um, finishing with the 31 disposals, 11 of which were contested, 18 kicks, 13 handballs, 6 marks, 5 tackles, going at an amazing efficiency of 90%. So, <laughs> I mean, if anyone's kicking at 90%, you put that in the book, don't even worry about it, don't think about it, especially with 31 disposals. Contributing 10 score involvements, 9 inside 50s, 19 pressure acts, 683 metres gained, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, and he had a goal to show for it as well. So just sets everywhere from Carl Amon to continue his great season and a really imposing um, game from him, bursting out of the blocks uh, with 11 disposals, four marks and five of those inside 50s in the first quarter. So, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to know or, or see how he prepares for the game or prepares for any game uh, because that's amazing. And especially in such an important game, just I'd love to be a fly on the wall uh, because he seems a bit unassuming to me uh, from an outside, outside point of view. 
Um, but to impose yourself like that on the game is amazing. And he has built... It's been spoken about again in regards to Carl Amon. Since getting rid of the likes of Polek and with uh, you know Matt White retiring in those years, there being a spot for Carl Amon to go into, he definitely impressed me when he solidified that spot with his use of the football and just his open field play. But this year in particular, he's added that harder edge and he can now play on the middle and then hurt you on the way out. I think I, I heard a statistic where he's averaging about five tackles over the last three or four weeks. So he can burn you in multiple ways. Again, X Factor. I talk about X Factor a lot uh, because it's what's going to separate you from the better teams in those difficult, tight, contested matches in finals particularly. Um, So fantastic from him. Deserves all the plaudits he gets. And look, I mentioned in uh, in my Collingwood review that... uh, like we don't expect him to get in the all Australian team, but if he keeps putting up numbers like that, I don't know how you could deny him at least an interchange spot. Like I'm not expecting him to make it purely for the reasons why I mentioned before that there's so many good inside midfielders. They always get the, you know, rub of the green in terms of all Australian selections. So they'll shove them everywhere. They'll shove them on the wings. They'll shove them half forward. Um, but, yeah, you can't deny that impact. So, yeah, look, hey, hopefully he makes a, the first uh, 22. Um, we'll wait and see. Um, I want to give an honourable mention uh, to Zach Butters. He spent his time equal in the forward half and the back half. Um, he's now built a bit of form. Uh, I watched first crack. They mentioned the four games back. Uh, kind of rule. Uh, he finished with the 22 disposals, 11 and 11 in terms of kick and handballs. Using it at 86%, uh, you know, it's just something that we've sorely missed is his creativity, but his efficiency to go along with that creativity. Uh, the six marks, the seven score involvements, and he also finished with the one goal from that play I mentioned earlier. Uh, much like the rest of the midfield, he built as the game wore on. He was a bit flat in the first quarter. But um, as the game wore on, he impacted more and more and more. It just evidently in his game is just that smart handballing and that use of the stand on the man, uh, stand on the mark rule, where he's basically getting the mark, free kick, uh, whatever it may be, and then just waiting for someone to run past. I think it was Michelangelo Rucci on the radio this morning that mentioned that, where particularly in the last quarter when we wanted to put the foot down put GWS under some serious pressure. Yeah, he was kind of, he just stands, he basically stands on his mark uh, right next to the opposition player um, and just cheekily hands the ball over when knowing that the opposition player can't move, can't impact at all, or else it'll be a 50. So it's really smart by him. And then I can't go past that square up kick uh, that I think it was uh, Mitch Georgiatis that got on the end of it. Um, Yes, that's, yeah, that's right. Uh, Georgiatis where, uh, Zach Butters is just in the pocket and he, I swear he has eyes in the side of his head sometimes because he got it and, you know, within a split second, he's just squared it up to Georgiatis. And that's what we've come to know and love with Zach Butters. Just that, again, X factor creativity that separates you from the opposition teams. And it makes it hard to, I mean, it makes it hard to defend against because, like, it, for all intents and purposes, you probably expect him to blaze away probably at the top of the goal square or, or something like that, or maybe try and take take the tackle and hand pass it off. But no, nah, Zach Butters doesn't think like that, and he squared it up, and we got a goal out of it. Uh, so that's amazing. I had to give him an honourable mention for that. Um, moving on to the forward line, I thought that was our best line again. We had a good spread of goal kickers again, which... I think going into this season, uh, most people noted was probably going to be an effort for most oppositions to handle with all the dynamic players that we have in our forward spread, Um, which is great because historically we've been a great defensive team and our defensive line is kind of what we've relied on um, in seasons gone past and for our forwards to be 
really building some momentum, getting some back from injury, some getting into form at the right time of the year. I just, yeah, that, that was my best line again. And uh, we're not relying too heavily on too few anymore, which is a, a great sign. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, thinking back over the years, uh, I'm not sure anyone would have thought we'd get to a point like that, but we, we're getting there and, and it's amazing to see. Um Started off, I mentioned this in the midfield breakdown, but the first quarter, we wasted some opportunities uh, kicking the three goals for. Some of the entries didn't help, but we kept at it. Um, we built and built and built. Bit of a shootout in the second quarter in particular. Um, and then on our end, uh, winning the fourth quarter quite handsomely. Um, it was a night again for the Tools. They contributed 10 out of the 15 goals that we kicked. So again, splitting the defence right up, making them really accountable for a direct opposition as opposed to ganging up on one particular forward, a la Charlie Dixon. Um, having that spread, and I mentioned, I've mentioned before that not only are they good up in the air, contested marks, marking on the lead, but they're good on ground level most of the time too. So it's a real headache when, you know, Defenders are having to worry about the contest up top and then on the bottom to have our um, elite brigade of small forwards, but then our tall forwards also being nimble um, and versatile on ground at ground level. It's imposing. Uh, it's really imposing. And uh, it's amazing signs because how do you structure up against that when they're all firing at once? Uh, it, it bodes really well going forward. Um some oppositions are really going to have to do their homework. Um, and there could be an unsung hero in an important match. Uh, we'll wait and see. Um, I guess the other pleasing thing for me was the huge forward pressure. Uh, again, first and last quarters, forward 50 game. We really locked it in there and uh, we brought our tackling pressure to go along with it. Uh, comparatively, we had 19 tackles inside 50 to GWS's eight. So, Absolutely killed him in that aspect of the game and that tackling pressure to go along with what I just said about um, being nimble uh, when the ball hits the deck. Uh, it's a real struggle for teams to get it out and that allows us repeat entries. Um, sure, we'd like to convert more of those entries, uh, be a bit more efficient, but the fact that we're keeping it in there, we're getting looks at it. Personally, I think that's our best football. We're going to win more games than we lose, clearly. Um, uh, so the tackles inside 50 statistic is a, a telling one for me. Um, my best forward on the night was Big, Big Chuck Dixon. Um, again, having a great finish to the year. Another bag of four goals and the two behinds to go along with it. 12 disposals, nine of those contested. So another brutal game. Disappointing, I think, that you know he didn't finish with uh, all of his possessions contested again, like he did last week. But um, I'll take you know nine out of twelve, uh, five marks, uh, and four of those being contested. So uh, amazing work from him, and uh, particularly early, he looks sore. I don't know if we should be worried about that, um, or I don't know. I mean, I don't think he would be. Uh, putting it on or anything like that, um, but he was limping quite evidently in the the first quarter in particular. And uh, but I mean, when you, he's playing great games and kicking goals consistently throughout matches uh, in this last month of football, so where do you go from there? Especially with some vital games coming up, like we need to put uh, make statements against the Crows and Carlton in the next couple of rounds, gain some good percentages along, uh, along with the four points, and then with that Western Bulldogs game. Potentially, uh, I think we still will have the pre-finals by, but, you know, with COVID still lurking around, there is a potential that we don't, and it's, you know, do you rest him, do you not? It's an interesting question to have, but I mentioned the contested marks. He's now number one for contested marks in the league. And I've talked about it in a previous episode where, you know, he gets a lot of shit hung on him, but he always competes. He always ends up in the top three to five players in the league. And at the moment, he's number one for contested marks. So 
I mean, how can you argue with going to him a lot of the time when he's performing like that? His second half of the year has been amazing. He's now seventh in the Coleman with all the goals that he's kicked. And to look back earlier in the year, and he, uh, it's it's quite interesting that uh, Port Adelaide were getting a lot of criticism, but him in particular for not um, contributing to the scoreboard. However, in the earlier part of the year, we had an even spread of goal kickers. I think before Fantasia went out, uh, our top four goal kickers were separated by two goals or three goals. Um, so you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Uh, by the looks of it, uh, it, it, it's either we're targeting Charlie Dixon too much, or we're not, you know, or we've got an even spread and he's not contributing to the scoreboard like certain people would want him to. Um, he can't win, but he's coming into some great form uh, leading into finals, and with those numbers. Uh, you can't argue with it. To go along with number one contested marks and sevens in the Coleman, um, I, I just did a bit of maths earlier today, and out of like the top 10 uh, goal kickers in the Coleman at the moment, um, he's sitting in the top three for kicking accuracy. Again, another um, criticism of Charlie Dixon in the past is his uh, inaccurate set shot goal kicking, which in in parts this year, he's kind of missed some that he'd, want to kick um, some more straightforward shots. But when you compare that to the other top forwards, um, particularly in the top 10 for the common race at the moment, it seems that everyone's kind of in that same bag. And I don't think he would have seen himself in the top three for um, conversion in years gone by. Um, but he's there now. And, I, you know, it was my gut feeling uh, throughout this season after he'd built a body of work, that he's actually kicking more than he's not. Um, so in that regard, you could probably say that he's having an equal year to what he had last year. I think there are better um, key forwards or, or other key forwards are performing um, at a better consistent level than they were last year. So there's a lot more competition for those key spots. But, you know, you judge a player based on their whole year um, and he's kicking goals for fun at the moment, and in various ways as well, marks, crumbs uh, from straight in front, from the pocket. Um, so, yeah, like I said, you could argue that he's having as good a year as he is last year. He'll finish close to 50 goals the way he's going with the last three matches of the season, so that's a great return, and with Mitch Georgiatis knocking on the door of 30 goals. Um, it's a great it's a great one-two combo we have. Moving on to my honourable mention. Um, look, I could have given this to a couple of players, but I've picked out Todd Marshall. And I've picked out Todd Marshall because he's actually... <laughs> I mentioned uh, in his wrap-up uh, last week that he... I've noticed that he's kind of been playing a bit of a Justin Westoff role. And again, in this match, he split his time uh, 50-50 in defensive half and offensive half. So um, it, it's kind of becoming more obvious uh, and it's not really um, a speculation that he, he is. And he looks capable uh, at his best. He finished with the one goal one, 16 disposals, nine marks, which is amazing, three tackles, five score involvements, and a huge 362 metres gain when you consider that he is listed as a forward, but he is rotating all the way around the ground. And he is starting to not impose himself, but attack contests a bit harder and get involved with general play around the ground. Uh, again, he's a smart user of the ball. He does some things that... Guys of his height probably wouldn't think of, uh, but he just seems to see the game differently to other people, and he is impacting around the ground, and he's built a good few weeks of football. Let's be honest, he gets a lot of criticism, probably more so uh, for the way he could, probably his body language, and uh, my, again, so many similarities now that he is playing around the ground to like Justin Westhoff, 
also had those same criticisms. Um, he finished with one goal one, but he gave one directly off to Laddams, who probably I could have easily given the honourable mention to. Uh, Laddams had a great game, uh, kicking the three goals. So it does, again, like the defence with Cleary poses an interesting uh, scenario because uh, we've kind of structured up as a, a playing under the roof of Marvel. Uh, it's dry weather football. And, um, you know, finals are played in September, which the warmer weather starts to set in. Obviously, it can rain, but more often than not, you get a sunny game. And with the four tools, it's similar to West Coast uh, back in their better years. Um, if you can mark it, then the speed on the ground doesn't really matter. And it, it really poses an interesting scenario going forward with Laddams impacting on the scoreboard now, Todd Marshall being effective around the ground, and as well as that, contributing on the scoreboard, giving off and being involved in general play. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Look, the comfortable route for me would be to drop one of them, stick with the three tools. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. And this was quite an important game coming up against a top eight team when we played them. So again, depending on the narrative um, of the media, what criteria they want to stick to this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, Toddy st- stepped up uh, and Laddam stepped up. Uh, so I'm definitely glad I'm not in the uh, selection committee because it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting going forward. All right, just had to save you from copying a sneeze in the ear just then. Um, but we'll move on to the hot and cold players for the round. So starting with the hot player, um, for this segment, uh, I kind of want to use it um, generally as a way to kind of highlight some players that are maybe going under the radar in both aspects. Uh, but um, my hot player for this round, again, is Carl Amon. Um He's he's the best on ground. He was my best mid, uh, but he was my hot player last week. And if you've turned a hot player from last week to a best on ground performance, I can't go past him. Um, Not more, not much more has to be said about Carl. Uh, I've already given him quite the the pump up. So Carl Amon, he's the hot player uh, for this round again. And let's see what happens next week. Um, the cold player for the round, I've got Sam Power Pepper. Uh, finished with the eight disposals, only two contested possessions, five kicks and three handballs, four marks, which is okay. Only the one tackle, which is very un SPP like. Uh, we're, you know, come to know him as a contested machine, and one tackle is a pretty ordinary return, zero score involvements, and uh, that one tackle wasn't even inside 50 where he is uh, uh, starting. So um, pretty disappointed from Sam. Um, he is in a forward role, and you've got to be careful with uh, small forwards and half-forward flankers because it is sometimes the a bit of a graveyard in terms of your ability to impose yourself on the contest, on the game. On uh, like just from a statistical point of view, there's a lot that you do as a small forward or a half forward flanker that can be unnoticed, much akin to a motlop. Um, he generally gets criticism because he hasn't, you know, got thirty disposals as a small forward, which isn't their role. So I do list this cold player with some, you know, that being uh, being in mind. But when we're kicking fifteen goals, ten, and you've got upward of sixty inside fifties that probably does give a player like SPP ample opportunity to impose himself. And yeah, to go along with, I felt that last week's game against Collingwood, uh, uh, not so quiet, not an amazing game in terms of um, breaking the game open, but there was some times against Collingwood where he just kind of ran through contests, which he can do and just break it open just caused some imbalance to the opposition and how they set up. But I didn't really see a lot of that. And 
Uh, it's concerning because well, particularly when he was featuring more in the midfield over the last couple of seasons, I, I kind of throughout the year envision, you know, that perfect kind of game on grand final day, you know, pop up hypotheticals in my mind. And uh, Sam Pepper in particular um, in that midfield role, I picture him, or I have pictured him in the past being the type of player who could win a Norm Smith medal on his day because of that imposing bull out of a gate kind of battering ram role that he can play and you know uh, his strength and yeah dynamic ability uh we all got quite familiar with that fend off earlier in his career which has kind of gone away when players have wisened up to tackle it but um yeah the return from spp on the weekend is a little bit disappointing he's gone a bit cold and with the likes of Robbie Gray or Stephen Motlop to come back, he's confined himself out of the team quite soon, uh, which would be disappointing because I think most people would have him in their best 22 if he's at his best, which he probably isn't. So we'll watch him with a keen eye next round to see what happens. Um, uh, but, yeah. Uh, I also mentioned, uh, I nearly forgot about, I mentioned in my preview that, uh, I pipped him to maybe play a defensive role on Lockie Whitfield. I'm not sure if so. I'm not sure if he did get pegged in a defensive role against one of the uh, GWS backmen. Uh, that can contribute to a low return in terms of disposal. But when Lockie Whitfield got, I think, 28 possessions himself, it probably says that a either he was and he didn't perform that role well or B he wasn't and he didn't impose himself on the game well so that's just my last point on SPP again we hope for the best but it's getting to the business end of the year and we need a 22 that is going to contribute well um, throughout a whole game so finishing up my best on ground with the three votes for Carl Amon Two votes for Charlie Dixon and one vote for Ollie Wines. I haven't really been able to talk about Ollie Wines much uh, in my wrap-up, but again, played a true Ollie Wines game. It'll be interesting to see if he gets votes on Brownlow night. Um, but uh, yeah, particularly when the game was there to be uh, won, he stood up, he imposed himself. I mentioned that he's got... Um, it's just that big body which the GOS midfielders lack, and I think it was in the first quarter, um, along with Carl Amon, imposed himself um, to great effect using that big body. Uh, and, like, yeah, he, he's in my votes. Um, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, just with some highlights around the ground. Um, but a true Ollie Wines game, and I uh, gave him the one vote. All right, so my final thoughts for the game. Uh, I've written in my notes here, hat-trick for Bonner. Um, <clears throat> I, wrote, I pointed out an interesting note in my preview about uh, looking back to that 2019 clash against the Giants at Adelaide Oval and Bonner being one of our better players in that game. Um, and also coming back off, uh, coming off the back of two rounds of great games from Bonner, um, against St Kilda and Collingwood, uh, I felt that he backed that up handsomely. He finished with the, um, <coughs> excuse me, 25 disposals, 18 kicks, 7 handballs, using it at 76% efficiency, which is perfect. Uh, a little lower than the last two weeks, but with the last two weeks being 83, you can forgive someone for dropping just that little bit to 76%, which is still a great efficiency um, in regards to average use of the football across the league. Um, five marks, seven intercept possessions, eight rebound fifties, two inside fifties. So, uh, that's just another good all round game for Bonner. So that's three in a row, giving him the hat trick for three games in a row with three games left. Let's hope for six. Um, because we've now seen Bonner at his best is using the ball. Well, getting the ball around the ground and imposing himself on the game. We can't ask for any more. Um, and the more often he does that, the less criticism he's going to get, um, and just shows that he can be a vital cog in our team, just a silky smooth mover when he's on and glides around the ground. So happy for Riley Bonner. Let's hope that he continues it on. 
Uh, my next note is the 301 up for Boki. Uh, God, there's been so much spoken about Travis Boki over the last couple of weeks, and for good reason. Um, two milestones in two weeks. Um, couldn't happen to a better bloke. I've spoken at length about my thoughts on Boki and my happiness for him. So now he's the record games holder in the AFL. Um, he's just going to break his own record from now until he retires. So uh, that's amazing. And again, we got uh, the win in his milestone game. I'm sure now from this point on uh, for the rest of the season, he's going to enjoy <laughs> I'm just coming back into the pack in terms of the limelight and just being able to focus purely on uh, the games at hand uh, and not on his milestones and, and whatnot. But happy for him again. Um, super great um, member of our football club and will go down as one of the best. Um, just an interesting note. Obviously, this year is COVID affected, which means that crowds can't go to games, particularly in Melbourne, where we've set up our home away from home. Um <laughs> Just obviously, we love that um, ambiance, the mumble of the uh, crowd being there, and then the agony and the ecstasy riding the wave of the game and the crowd cheering or Bronx cheers. But you know, we've, we we love that. It creates a great atmosphere, and we know it better than anyone in the league. Being um, Port supporters, Port games are great for their crowd atmosphere. But I, I'm kind of, it's kind of weird, but I'm kind of enjoying the sounds of the game. Um, in a closed Marvel stadium with no crowds, like just something about hearing them actually kick the ball. And when they kick the ball, well, just hearing that pump, uh, just that thud off the boot. Um, I don't know. I'm just finding the joy in it um, because I mean, you can tell a good kick from one another. It's kind of weird, but I'm enjoying that. But as well as that is I'm enjoying the enthusiasm that you can hear from the players um, particularly when a goal has been kicked. And I've noticed Zach Butters is a big one for this, just cheering, getting into it, making it known to the opposition that we've just kicked a goal, getting a yeah, boy, or come on, kind of going and, and hearing that through the feed. And I think he was on radio last week and saying that, but not that we can hear it at home, but as players at, in Marvel Stadium, they can sometimes hear the commentary team um, uh, commentating the big moments. And I, I don't know if, People are aware, but the commentary teams generally sit with an open window. Um, so you can imagine uh, that, that well, they're the only crowd there uh, and echoing through a closed roof at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, I'm just, uh, it's a bit of an alternative uh, opinion, but I'm kind of enjoying the sounds. Don't get me wrong, I'd much prefer crowds being there for that, um, that typical atmosphere that you get, um, especially in a game like. Uh, the game we had yesterday, uh, big game, top eight clash. Um, but yeah, kind of enjoying those alternate sounds as well. Um, so where to from here? Uh, we got three games left, two very winnable, and then one 50-50. I think we can go the two and one um, and still finish fourth. Uh, but we'd need to win the two by some handsome margins because, like I said, Sydney have got a good run home. They can win the last three games and be equal on points if we do drop one of our last three games. But I, I've i got us pegged to win the two, and I think we'll do quite well against Western Bulldogs, learning a lot from our clash at Adelaide Oval earlier in the season. Um and with that being said, if we do finish in the top four, it's our best effort since 2004 um, in regards to backing up a top four finish in consecutive seasons. So I've mentioned, I mentioned maybe in my last episode or maybe the one before that, but uh, I've been a member since 08 and <clears throat> um, it's the first time where the power have been a good team for more than one year in a row. Um, and if we finish top four, it's just going to con consolidate that view. Um, and again, I, I was going to say silence the Ken haters, but they're not ha going to be happy until he wins a premiership. But it just shows that we're being coached quite well. We've got a good team. And my prediction from this point is that we'll finish top four. Uh, we'll probably finish in fourth spot, which means we'll have to play away the first week. But I don't care, to be honest. I think we're good enough. And by that point, we'll, we should have our strong, strongest team out in the park. 
so it's anywhere, anytime for me. Um, that's my kind of prediction. Um, just lastly, for those who are listening to my preview, I tried, I'm going to trial in my previews a, a best bet for people who are that way inclined. I tipped the line, which was um, minus 12.5 points for Port Adelaide. Uh, getting up by 27 points means that we cleared that line twice over and then some. So for anyone who got on board there, um, as well as myself, that one got up. So I'll have a look at the next game and and uh, give one out um, again in the preview for the showdown. So that's all from me. Uh, for those that have tuned in, um, listen to me on various platforms. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Again, uh, if you um, could chuck me a like on Facebook, um, join in the conversation. I'm posting uh, most of the week, um, sharing some thoughts and opinions on some various news and articles that come out. Um, so yeah, love to get other people involved in a in some port talk. It's what I crave, especially this time of the year. If you are listening to this podcast on any of the main providers, I'd really appreciate a rate and review. It would help me out thoroughly. Fill me with a bit of confidence, um, <laughs> um, a bit of validation, which we all crave. Um, and yeah, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I want to uh, build this podcast up. Obviously, starting at the back end of the year isn't ideal, but hey, it's funny when inspiration strikes and I plan on doing it. Um, consistently um from this point on so yeah chuck me a like on facebook rate and review on apple or google wherever you're listening and uh tune in later in the week for the preview for the showdown but that's all from me and bye for now